0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Better Every Shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzow. I am uh, the host. I am also a firefighter EMT in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. I work for the Madison Fire Department. I also own and operate a company called Fire Rescue Fitness and been writing for Fire Rescue One and other fire-related periodicals for over 10 years and um, I am super excited to to bring this concept with you, this podcast, this adventure, Um, but I'm not doing it alone. I actually am partnering here, and I like to call her the co-captain. She's actually the one that really drives the ship here, is Janelle Fasquette. She has been an editor and is the editor-in-chief of Fire Rescue One, and she has been making me sound more intelligent for years, and now she's got to do it in a different format so good luck with that but welcome janelle well thanks
1: It's good to be here i'm happy to co-captain the ship with you i'm really excited about it
0: and this has been you know a long time coming so i'm excited we're here yeah just, and just to to kind of brief everybody on what we're going to be doing here this concept this better every shift concept it started off uh mainly a couple of years ago Janelle approached me and she said you know you're you're kind of an energetic I think you use quirky maybe um guy, but um you know i I'd really love to try to do a podcast where we we get different personalities um uh, influential people of not only the fire service but maybe of outside the fire service and you know just sit down with them one on one bring them uh, into more of a real life situation and talk about." everything from the fire service to lifestyle to family. And, um, you know, we, we knocked around quite a few different, uh, titles to this. Uh, some were, some were great, I thought, but then others were declined. Correct. Yes. Yeah. We had about,
1: I don't know, what do you say?
0: Like a hundred ideas floating around at different times. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so as we kept coming up with ideas, uh, you know, the powers that be behind us, a lot of times we just say no. And, um, and, and one day we were talking about, well, what are we really, what's the essence of this? And the essence of the podcast is to really be better. And, and what we want to try to give to you, the listener, are tidbits of information, tidbits of motivation to help you and motivate you to be better. Whether it's with learning something um, skill related in the fire service learning how to better yourself in relationships, uh, being more healthy, more fit, and, and maybe and sometimes just more, more informed culturally about what's going on um, inside the fire service and outside. And, you know, Fire Rescue One and everything I think a lot of our, our articles are about are just embracing that concept. We write to try to educate and we try to educate because we want those around us to be better. Including ourselves. And that's kind of what, what we're going to try to do. And we're going to try to have a little bit of fun, correct? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, that that was the whole idea. We kept thinking about what well, does this is really boil down to? And it's, you know, with your energy and enthusiasm, you're always so positive. And like, that's what just kept making me think about this idea of like bringing people together to talk about big topics, hot topics, but also have some fun with it and just see where it takes us. And I think you're the best person to help us do that. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a fun ride.
0: I appreciate it. Um, it, it already has been. And, uh, you know, when we talk about being better, um, uh, first of all, for those that don't understand like what Janelle's role has been over the years in the fire service, she has been behind a lot of the different surveys. She's been behind a lot of the different, um, influential articles. Uh, she has basically, uh, contacts with every single influential person within the fire service, so a lot of uh, you will get to know her a little bit better. She will be grudgingly doing that um, she likes to be behind the scenes, but she has so much to offer and uh, you know the the people that we've already been in contact with and I'm super excited to just uh, try to sit down with a lot of influential people people that I've read about through the years have written a lot of the materials that I've studied um, and and try to just sit down at a level where you know, we all experience these highs and lows in our career. We all experience difficulties in relationships, whether it be family, difficult with, with the calls we see and the nature of the business. And um, the other idea behind being better, it doesn't matter if you are a chief, volunteer, career, uh, vo- uh, you know, someone who's trying to get involved with a fire service, someone who supports the fire service, trying to give you usable things that you can um you know, take from this. And uh, maybe it's a laugh, maybe it's a little bit of motivation, maybe it's a tear. Uh, but uh, I'm super happy to, uh, to be doing this and, and to, you know, be able to hopefully deliver on your concept, Janelle. Oh, I have no doubt. No doubt whatsoever. So speaking of the concept, our very first guest for this very first podcast. And if I haven't mentioned it, thank you all so, so far for staying with us and listening, because We are talking about somebody who really um, epitomizes what we're talking about, being better. Uh, And it's Deputy Chief, frankly, from um, FDNY. You will see in our interview um, just some of the things where you think this is one of the, he's heading one of the largest training divisions, one of the largest fire departments. And there were some subtle things that I I took from this interview, and I I hope you, you all will too, listening, that he epitomizes every single day working on himself, trying to be better. And, um, I'm super excited for this. So, uh, unless you have anything else to add, Janelle, let's, let's bring on Chief Let's get Lieb. into it. Um, at, for once I'm at a loss for words. Janelle's over there smiling, laughing because our guest today is, uh, W. Chief Frank Lieb from FDNY. And, uh, I'm a little bit, um, uh like uh, you know like a, he's kind of a he's a celebrity kind of guy for a lot of us because he's everywhere right now he's talking about a lot of the things that can really make a difference in your career from health wellness leadership fireground uh command um and so i'm i'm not going to spend too much time telling dad jokes or movie quotes today because we want to we want to get into it with with chief um and real briefly if you don't know uh who Deputy Chief Frank Lieb is, um, you really need to do some research because this particular individual can really help you be fired up to learn more, to better your career, uh, to educate you on fire ground operations, on leadership, on cancer reduction. Um, He's a a Deputy Assistant Chief in FDNY, currently serving as the Acting Chief of Training, Chief of the Department's um, Contamination Reduction Work Group. He's been a member of FDNY since 92 and East Farmingdale Fire Department, Long Island since 1983. He just wrote a really great article for us here at, at Fire Rescue 1 on their inaugural State of the Industry Survey and what firefighters want in 2022 about incident command training. And um, Janelle, I think, will cue that article up. And, you know, the basis there was that we, you know, we're doing okay, but we really need more command presence Um, and, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, but I I just wanted to say thank you chief for, for being here. And we were talking a lot off, you know, a camera and off, um, recording just about like just being better every shift and a a lot of different dimensions, um, that that includes. And it's great that you're, you know, we were just saying that, you know, you, you experience a lot of the challenges that we do as, as firefighters, as lieutenants. You know, you have the home challenges. You have the the health and wellness challenges. You have the cell phone challenges. You know, right? Like you're getting uh, a lot of different messages. You know, for you, you had stress trying to get back to this, to home, to an area where you can do the podcast. Like that's real common. Um, and it, it's just it's great to see you here. And, and we were talking like again off screen because you know a lot of times we think, oh, he can write all these articles and he he has all this experience, but yet. You know, we all are in this kind of together. We experience these different things, Um, you know. And so when we when we talk about being better every shift, like for you personally, what does that mean? You know, what do you do every single day? to just to to be who you are.
2: Well, I appreciate you having me on the uh, on on the program. So it's funny. You didn't you didn't tell uh, you didn't tell your viewers that before we came on, you were wearing a a Tigger (laughs) costume. Right. (laughs) so um but we'll just let that we'll let that pass but i they think can I, they can
0: ask in the comments section and i'll describe kind of why but we have a we have a, a you and i have a bond through taking yes. we'll just say that
2: yeah thank you that's a good that's a good explanation for it um so being being better every day is um being into the job right being into your profession regardless of what your profession is right obviously we're talking about firefighters but um for me it's uh, something that was instilled in me very young into my um into my FDMY career. Um and it was read something fire related every day, every tour. Uh just be better, right? So you're not the same person you were yesterday, right? Just uh yeah. cells die off, new cells, you're a different person. And <laughs> the idea is right, you that you're striving to be a better version of yourself every day. Um and how do you do that, right? And it's professional development. It's reading. It's it's teaching. It's doing all those different things that in, that incorporate um, that incorporate that into what you're, you know, how you become a better version, right? Be better. Yeah, the- it,
0: yeah, and and I I, I got to tell you, you um I saw you you speak at a a, a conference recently, and a you had the best walk up music that I've I've heard in a long time, and um. Little ACDC came up and it fired. It really fired up I, I, a lot of people. I talked about it. Motivated them, and and within there, you said you know read something fire related. Ten minutes, at least ten minutes every single day. Just pick something up. Go to FR Fire Rescue One. Go to you know pick up a a, a fire you know periodical. Um, you know I think one of the things you've been doing recently is is uh, kind of going through some of your uh, former calls or former um, incidences, correct? And that's kind of, is that part of that too, right? That at least for you, I imagine that's what it is, is you look at how could I have been better at that particular incident or call?
2: Well, you should always critique your operation, right? You should, I mean, I'm my hardest critic. And, um, uh, so I look at, I evaluate the operation, any operation I operate at and, uh, and see how, you know, if I had that same incident again, what would I do differently? Would I do anything differently? And then how would I, uh, how could the firefighters under my command do it differently? And I've done that for my entire career. Um, and for the past 13 or 14 years, I've written about some of my experiences, particularly, you know, I started writing for uh, our internal magazine, um, WMYF, and, you know, I've, I've written close to 25 articles for them now. And the, the genesis for most of those articles was I went to an incident and there was something that I learned. And I have been a student of my craft. I have been into my job reading something, learning all I can um, that if I didn't know enough about it, there's certainly other people out there that don't. And I wanna pass along that information and that knowledge because that will make somebody better the very next time they go out the door. If you read an article that I have, any article that I've written for any publication, there will be actionable intelligence that will make you better the next time you go out the door. Otherwise, I wouldn't waste the time writing an article. If I'm not teaching you something that will make you better, why bother?
0: Yeah, right. And and, and I'll tell you, um, you and I, uh, again, I've had a, a pleasure of just being able to be around you for a couple conferences. And and we talked about a, a fire that you had uh, this last year, the, the, the Twin Parks fire. And and, you know, you and I talked about it for about an hour one day and you you have looked at that over and over again and and, and it's become kind of a, uh, a a way for you to recover in a way in, in certain in, in instances, right? Like you just try to look at all the different things and, um, you know, you put, I, I can't remember, you said something like you looked at every single, that was a, fa- a, a, a multiple fatality fire and you looked at a lot of different things. And broke that down, and that was a way you kind of dealt with the recovery and the emotional side as well by trying to make yourself better mentally to deal with that emotion. Yeah,
2: well, I'm trying trying to look at all the aspects of the of the fire. So, um, in reviewing, is the fire our fire marshals did an amazing job at um, interviewing every everybody, the residents, the firefighters, everybody. I've read the company operation reports. Um, uh, I stopped keeping track when I was at thirty hours that I've put into piecing the fire together and reviewing it to see, you know, and then trying to glean out of it. What are the, what are the um, teaching points? What are the points that, is there anything that we can change policies or procedures? And it may not necessarily be something that, that you can change, but we had an after action review both on fire and EMS side. And, you know, we're trying to just make sure that any, lessons learned and, and more importantly lessons reinforced as well that that we passed that along. I mean we had we had a chief's class that was in um, following that fire they were they were in class and we took them to the site of that fire and walked them around the building because experiences to a large degree are transferable. So when I put these future incident commanders in front of the building and say, okay, this is what you have okay, great now this just happened. When are you gonna call for more people? When do you realize you need an additional alarm? How are you gonna sector this operation? When would you consider doing this? What if you had this? And you're able to sit there in front of the building and then look at that and visualize that. And that experience that we had on that day to a large degree becomes their experience. Mm -hmm. So when they have something that even remotely resembles that or even part of that, right? It could be just a, a part of that where they Um, they're overwhelmed with a couple of victims or they have some other incident, other part of it that's going on, that that will be part of what they pull up, that they recall, and they'll have something to draw on. Because that's the key, right? Transferring experiences is to make sure that you're better prepared the next time you go out the door, that you have experiences that come up that are similar enough to give you a good frame of reference for how you're going to implement your tactics uh, and more importantly, for, for an incident commander, what is your strategy?
0: Right. And we talked about like the state of the industry we want. And and we, you know, I think, you know, they were a lot of us said, hey, it's great that we have some incident command training. But what this is the best one of the best ways to do it. Right. Like, like as you were saying, I'm teaching my future incident commanders. Let's look at what we did. And um, and, and another thing that that I've I've heard you say is that we. We have to be all right with saying, hey, we could have done better or we could have done something a different way. Right. Like we we have to be uh, able to to say that and to to have that conversation.
1: Yeah.
2: And even if even if what even if your tactics and strategy um, uh, was successful. Right. We just want to make sure that we evaluate them and review them to make sure that um, that even if we say, well, what if we would have did this and the outcome may have been disastrous if we did something different, right? Mm-hmm. But um, at least to have that conversation. And that's what we do when we have a post-incident review um, and everybody's talking about it. Uh, and then a small fire, we would have that on scene immediately afterwards. The incident commander, the battalion chief, or deputy chief would call the units over, something I've done, you know, many times and just say, hey, you know, I'll ask, how'd you get to the roof? How'd you go here? What'd you do you know what you do um differently so all that type of stuff it's all learning right and it's a it's a cross-pollinization of ideas when i tell the firefighters that what i was thinking and i said when i saw you i saw you going up the ladder this is what i was thinking i'm giving them leaders intent right i'm imparting them yeah. some of that stuff that they may not even be they may not even be considering right and that's all that cross-pollinization that's critically important from firefighters to leaders, and it's the importance also of an incident commander or chief officer speaking to the firefighters, right, going to the firehouse and speaking to them and letting them know some of, some of your concerns when you're on scene. They're better able to help us, when, and we're able to better help them when, when we have that two-way communication.
0: So one of the best yeah, ways, yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead, Chino. sorry. Oh,
1: it's all right. No, I just, I was curious, you know, one of the articles that ran in our What Firefighters Want in 2022 was written by, Captain Brad French, and he talked about the importance of after action reviews. And one of the data points that that came out of that, um, I'm just, I'm looking at the results over here now, um, about one third of respondents said uh, incident commanders at their department rarely or never complete an after action review. Only 23% reported that ICs conduct them often. The, the the balance was in the sometimes category, around 40%. But I'm just curious if that number surprises you, about one-third of people who never or rarely get AARs.
2: Yeah, so that's surprising me. That, that's definitely surprising. But I wonder, um, maybe they're not doing it on scene. Like, I wonder if they're doing it, maybe they're incorporating it into training down the road. I wonder if – if um, you know we just pigeonhole it into calling it an after action review but they're, they're learning something from it because um like i find it difficult to because even even in my department right if we don't do a formal after action review um any firefighter worth his salt is going back to the firehouse and that company is talking about not only their actions but the actions of everybody else i mean yeah uh in firehouses i've been in as both an officer and as a chief even if they're not talking about it on at scene we're definitely talking about it when we get when we get back to um, to quarters so for us on our major incidents I have a post incident review team I have staff that's that's their full-time job so they are mm-hmm. um, doing these after action reviews and one of the good parts about that for me is as the chief of training um, I get the notes not necessarily who said what they said right but if there's any type of comments that we see a lot of times, I'm able to see if we have recurring themes, and that means I need to concentrate on that on training, not just for those that were there, but I need to get that out to the entire job. And we can do that with our tips from training. There's a couple of ways that we can pivot and really get and and um, and broadcast stuff out to the entire department. And that's happened a couple of times where we've seen something three or four times, and we're like, "Hey, let's pay attention to this," you know, and it's. It comes down to being a, a high-reliable organization, right? Which fire service is a high-reliable? The stakes are pretty high; uh, lives hanging in the balance. Um, it's, it's really it's like an aircraft carrier. The stakes are high. A nuclear reactor. The stakes are high, right? One failure, NASA. One failure is is catastrophic. Um, so we'll look at that and we kind of track those small failures and say, okay, um, how can we how can we avert this? How can we make sure that that Swiss cheese theory of everything lining up doesn't, how can we best protect that? And when that is a a great takeaway from after our post-incident review, our formal ones or or formal after action review, where we could look at those and say, okay, let's make sure we get a tip from training out on this. Let's make sure that we talk about this at education day and others. Uh, Sometimes we'll even make a video um, on it to make sure, hey, make sure that everybody's seeing this uh, because we're seeing this, we've seen this at three fires now.
0: And, yeah. and what's the way like I, I mean, you, you have a, you've built that through the organization. You built that through your training. What about somebody who doesn't maybe have that that, um, you know, their organization maybe isn't that strong with that? I mean, company level, do it. Personal level, do it. Right. Like uh, you have to start it somewhere, correct?
2: Yeah. Well, so the best time to plant a tree was 100 years ago. The second best time is today. Right, so any, any type of training program, whether you're not training enough, whether you don't have a good program, whatever it is, um, we can do better, right? And just start today, whatever that is. If you don't have a training culture, well, change it. Start it today, right? Um, and so the FDNY, we average somewhere in the neighborhood of seven serious structural fires per day. Um, so we have a lot of experience and we're able to capture that um, a lot faster than other departments. Mm-hmm. but. You know, you have people out there sharing their experiences so you can see whether it's, you know, all of the major publications, the Internet, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, all these are full of, of, uh, of stories that that you can see. And it doesn't take long to capture what's going on in the American Fire Service. Take you just take a look at, at your Twitter feed and you'll know exactly what the issues are uh, in no time, whether, you know, a- any of the publications, the secret list, all of these have great information and they have their finger on the pulse. So you just, it doesn't take long. Take a look at all the periodic, all the monthly magazines that come out. Um, and this, you'll see common themes yeah. in every single one of them.
0: Yeah. What do you see? You see leadership? You see. Uh, yeah. So I mean, leadership. Experience probably, in some cases, a yeah. lack of it.
2: Yeah. So I mean, experience is. That's the age old problem, right? The war years, years ago, everybody had experience. So there's not as many fires, which is a good thing. Um, So, but we have the advantage of, of YouTube. Sometimes it's a disadvantage, right? Because of the comments you see sometimes. But but we can transfer these experiences. So you could have experiences. Years ago, um, it was hard to, it was harder to transfer an experience because we didn't have the video footage of it. We didn't have... The social media where we could learn so much about it. There could be a there could be a fire in in California tonight, or yesterday, and I learn about it. And today, I may even be on a, a Zoom call with the incident commander of you know of that fire. I have sat in in the past six months um, through the Seattle Fire Department. I've sat in on four or five um, times where they bring in an incident commander of, of a large scale incident, and I'm learning. I'm learning from those same experiences,
0: right so, and and with that, like you, you have a project that you're working on the uh, 30 with, uh, with Chief Goldfeder, 30 fires book, correct? That yes. takes That's those, good. those fires that, uh, that you want everyone to take something from and learn from that you have as well. Um, and, and those, those 30 come from, uh, all over the country, correct? And I mean, what, what are the criteria that you guys are using to, to, to bring those together?
2: Well, so it's it's 30 Fires You Must Know is what the title of it is going to be. And it'll be released in uh, 2023. And the um, so it's, uh, we basically, we, I speak to him an awful lot. And I'm frustrated when I speak to firefighters and I say the Station Nightclub, Vandalia Avenue, the War yeah. Bombs Fire. And, and they look at you like they don't know what you're talking about, right? Um, so we have taken 30 fires And we actually started with with a much larger pool because so it's there's a lot of different lessons that can be learned from the book. But we needed the authors of the chapters. The primary authors are different people that either operated at the fire in some capacity, maybe they an incident commander. Maybe they were a firefighter at the time um, or they have some firsthand knowledge of it from their department. So we're seeing it through the eyes of that particular individual. Mm -hmm. Right which is very different. I, I read a lot of the fatal fire investigation, near misses, all of that type of stuff I'm familiar with with a lot of fires. I've learned a lot more about other fires. So the audit, the, the chapters that we have complete are just fascinating. Some of the some of the authors of, of some of these um, uh, chapters are just just incredible. It's going to be a great book.'ll be, it'll be in their own words, the lessons learned and what you should be drilling on.
0: What what's the biggest surprise that you've found from from just those fires? I mean, because you've reviewed every single one of them and learned something, but obviously you, when you're going back again, you're like, oh, I never connected this or saw this. I mean, what what was one of the things that really stood out to you?
2: How how different, depending on where you were at the incident, what you were doing, how different your lens um, may be, and the generational impact that a line of duty death has, um, both on the department. And on the family members, um, some of the authors um, were friends with the firefighters that it, it, that passed away. Are still friends um, with the survivors, um, and it's really just so, like I said. Some of the chapters um, you'll be blown away, and you'll and you'll learn something. And um, we're grateful that we have so many people that were willing to um, to write chapters. And we already know we're, we're going to have to do a second book. Mm-hmm. And probably the best part of this is that we're not making money on this. Uh, all of the proceeds to this are going to be uh, donated to several different charities that um, that we're we're working out. Actually, we just notified the charities. We're waiting for them to respond back to us
0: that they awesome.
2: uh, right because we ha- they have to accept it. Which right,
0: right. They part. better right. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> yeah. got others that you could probably you know. I'm sure others will stand in line for it if they don't accept. But you
2: know. yeah, but you know we're pretty excited about it. Um, and um, I guarantee you you read it, you will learn, I, I, like I said, as a, for me as a more than 30 year student of, of our profession, um, I learned something from every one of these articles, every one of these individuals. Um, it's just it's it's eye opening and um, it's yeah, it's gonna be a great uh, it'll be a great book. no, no yeah. doubt about it.
0: Can you we talk see about it? like yeah, you, you talked about the emotional side. Uh, stuff too like I don't know you've you've been there you've seen a lot um you know we just in in talking with you I can see the emotion and and just the passion that you have I mean how do you and how have you over the years you know dealt with it just the emotional challenges that we have I mean you've seen a lot you've been on a lot of commands um you know been command of, of, of a lot of fires and and you've seen a lot of things like how do you personally you know deal with that side of stuff especially when you read these, I'm sure it kind of touches you a little bit, right?
2: Yeah. And it's, so I think it's, um, it's having a good support network, right? I have a, um, you know, I have a wonderful family that's always there for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our firehouse family is critically important and to talk about it, right? You come back from something and you talk about it, Um, making sure that, you know, we have a pretty robust counseling service unit and we make sure that, that we call them out when we need them right away. Um, But it's really just communicating and it all starts with having a support network, both somebody at home that you could speak to that understands it and also the um, in the firehouse. Because, quite frankly, we don't do enough to include our families in what we do. We talk about our fire fire service family and that our families are part of that and important to it. But I don't know if we tell them that enough. So. Um, I will, when I, when I'm, when I see uh, a firefighter spouse or, or, or their children or something, I try and speak to them and let them know how, and tell my firefighters that we value your family members, um, as well. Cause they are part of our, our family, an important part. And if something's going on at home, they're going to see it long before that, you know, possibly long before we will. And, and I think, so the, and the motivation, even for, for this book and for, when I write some of the articles that I I have authored, is we repeat lessons and wind up having firefighters die from very similar instances so often that why can't we learn a lesson that somebody paid the price for um, maybe thousands of miles away? Like Mm -hmm. every department doesn't need to repeat the lessons and we, we have to find a way to uh, get these lessons out there earlier to know that, hey, we're seeing this problem, whatever it is. Uh, and we're doing that with lithium ion batteries now. We've seen so many of them. And it's just making sure that we're educating people that they know, hey, here's a watch out that this is what we're seeing, whatever that, whatever that is. I mean, you look at, um, you know, you look at um, uh, bowstring truss, right? And yep. you know, there's a, I think it was in Missouri, uh, a couple of firefighters, three or four in 1969, uh, died in in a collapse of one of those, you know, and then then we have Hackensack, and, and we have we have wall bombs first, and then we have Hackensack, and, and you know, uh, and I, I think Chicago after like that's a lot of firefighters stacked up, right? You know, we we need to find a way to learn these lessons
0: um, before the fatalities, in some before cases, before the fatality, right? yes, because
2: we, and hopefully before any fatality, but certainly, and that's that's the importance. Hey, when when a firefighter is killed in the line of duty. We have to learn from it because it may not, the next time it, it may just, it may injure injure a bunch of firefighters, but it may, it also may kill more. Let's make sure that we try and cut that off at the pass. And that's, that's part of what this, uh, this 35, as you must know, um, is certainly about.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, we, so we talk about the emotional side. We also talk about, um, you know, we've, we've talked about cancer behind the scenes too, because, you know, that's the one thing, you know, unfortunately, you know, we, we, as we mentioned, and and I agree hundred percent family needs to be included a lot with our academies. Family needs to understand some of the stuff we're seeing because they can identify when there's a change quicker than probably our own crews can. Cause when we go in that firehouse, right. We try to put on, Hey, nothing's bothering me today. I know I got a job to do, but that might come out at home a lot faster, a lot quicker and family to be able to identify that. Uh, so, you know, the emotional side, but also then, you know, uh, and you've been a very good advocate for the cancer side too, because, you know, you talk about learning from fires that not just includes how we respond to them, how we put them out, but what we do before, during, and after on a total health uh, standpoint, right? And we missed the boat on that for many years. And, and now you're a very good advocate and I, and, and I can't thank you enough because I, I, I read a lot of, of the things that you've done to help on the cancer initiative too. And, and, Um, you know, and obviously you've seen that through your experiences at FDNY, right. And, and, um, and through your research, correct? Like that's really what kind of opened your eyes to it. How many people are dying of this? How many of your friends, you know, right. You've experienced a lot of friends and, um, and so that, that's the other side of training that you're really trying to, to push as well. Correct. Like that's, you're very passionate about that. And, and again, we thank you for that.
2: Yeah. And I appreciate that and because it matters, right. Because we're losing, we're losing our friends to occupational cancer. Um, I just authored an article on it not too long ago. And today, actually this afternoon, I got a message from a firefighter down South um, who told me that he appreciates the article. He just finished reading it. And uh, he's midway through his treatment for pancreatic cancer. Um, So it's real. And um, that, those those messages, those people that reach out to me, it matters. And we have to do all we can, which is why every couple of months I seem to put out another article related to cancer. L- listen, I'd love to write articles on stretching a hose line uh, and how to best put out a fire. I, you know, I could talk tactics all day long. Um, but cancer in the fire service is one of the greatest threats to our profession that we have ever seen. Yeah. And yeah. the IOC designation, right? To changing firefighting to a group one carcinogen, if that doesn't open your eyes, if you're a leader in the fire service and that does not open your eyes, you should retire. It's that simple.
0: Right, right. Where, where What are you reading? You're not reading anything. You're, you're obviously somewhere under a rock because that's. It, I mean, right. That is a in-your-face kind of, um, of de- declaration. Um, you know, uh, along with the the current research. Um, do you mind if I ask? Like, I. I know that we've, we've talked it before. I mean, uh, through your, all of your experiences with FDNY, I mean, how many people through you know, working on the mound and, and just the fire, I mean, how, how many do you know that have, that, that have been impacted by cancer just around you in your immediate area there and FDNY, like thousands, do you think that you would know? I'm, um,
2: yeah. So I'll even I'll broaden that out. Right. So not just cancer, because cancer gets the headline. Right. Because, yeah. you know, we're, we're approaching the We're approaching the same number of firefighters um, to occupational illness dying um, as was killed on that day, 343. But um, it is rare to find a firefighter who was on the FDNY on September 11th, 2001, that does not have an ailment related to their exposure there. Even if they're living with it, even if they're surviving with it, it is incredibly rare to not find somebody that
0: doesn't have some type of uh, ailment from it. Physical and or mental or both, correct? Like Well,
2: certainly both, but yeah. even, just, even just the physical aspect of it, mental for sure, right? I mean, um, anybody that was on the job um, for that um, dreads when September comes around on the calendar.
0: Yeah, yeah. And is that, I mean, What? what one of the, the questions that I like to ask is, I mean, what, what feels your passion? I mean, I, obviously we, you are so passionate and uh, just about making everybody better. That's why I was so excited when you said, yeah, I'll do this. Because this is exactly what we're about. Like you are, you are about making yourself better and then using what you learn to, to make those around you better. But what fuels that passion for you?
2: Yeah. So I love, I love what I do. I love being a firefighter. Um, I was exposed. You know, my brother joined uh, my local volunteer department when I was seven. It's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Um, and I've learned from so many people writing for the different publications and whatever through the years. And now, you know, I've reached a point in my career where, um, where you know, I could give back and and do that. And what fuels it is that I love the people I work with. I have great people that I work with every day. I go to a firehouse, I wind up spending a couple of hours there, um, you know, and they don't kick me out. They usually invite me to, to stay for dinner. And <laughs> yeah. uh, Quite frankly, I wish I wish that when I came on a job and I, I said this, I, I speak at our, our education day, we had about 25 people this morning and I spoke to them for about a half hour, 45 minutes. And I conclude by saying, I've done some stupid things in my career. Um, and because I didn't have somebody, um, sitting in front of me, telling me that these things, um, you know, aren't, you need to not do this, right. Whatever, whatever it is, but we just, part of it is we know now, right. We have the amount of research that's been done and, and our access to that, whether it's, you go on the first responder center for excellence website, where a lot of that is posted, the firefighter cancer support network. There's so much information out there. I mean... If you, if you Googled my name, you'd probably find seven different articles on cancer on it. Um, our tips from training that we put all these different things. We have to make sure that we're educating everybody to the hazards because as bad as it seems, it's mostly about personal responsibility, personal hygiene, and just being better, doing the things that you need to do to best protect yourself now because your future self will thank you. And- You know, I became I became a grandpa not too long ago, a little under a year ago. I know I look young to be a grandpa.
0: How um, is that possible? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it is amazing. Um, And I want to be there for my granddaughter for as many years as I can possibly be. And I tell that to young firefighters who aren't even they may not even be thinking about being a mom or a dad yet. Right. But think beyond that. Think about your retirement years. And what you want to do, vision, you know, visualize yourself when you're 50, 60, and 70 and what you want to be doing. Um, and and that might be going to more fires. That might be gr- being a, a grandma or a grandpa. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. things that, that, that might mean a bucket list vacation. Whatever it is, use that to motivate you to best protect yourself.
0: And so uh you you kind of went right into our next thing. I always try to put some guests on the hot seat, and ask some quick questions, right like you know
1: um,
0: and one of them is first question is, what's your biggest regret
2: oh man um, i I don't have, I don't think I have, I don't think I have any regrets in, in my, in my career. I, I love the places I've worked. Um, I've worked with great people in great firehouses. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, if I, if I had to pick one, maybe when I was a firefighter after September 11th, I had an opportunity. I was in squad 270 and I absolutely loved it there. Um, and I had an opportunity to go to rescue one in Manhattan and, you know. I didn't go because I wouldn't have been there that long. And I didn't think it would have been fair to the company, but others that I know that went for a short period of time, they went. Um, and, but even that it's really not, it's really not a regret. I've right. worked, Like I said, I've worked with amazing people and I yeah. wouldn't change any of that.
0: I think it's worked out pretty well for you yeah, so far. Yeah. yeah.
2: I would agree with that.
0: Yeah. So, and so now part of a, this is a rare thing. Janelle has a, has a hot seat question. Janelle, by the way, she, you obviously are a special guest for us because Janelle does not like to speak very much like I you know she she usually has to calm me down a little bit in order to get in, but um she's got a good question for you on this one so
1: I've got two questions for you actually. Um, One's a little more serious, but uh, I'm just curious what the best single piece of advice that you ever received from a fellow fire service leader and how that impacted your career. Hmm.
2: Yeah. So without a doubt, the best advice is twofold. And it was from, uh, it was from one of my first captains. And he said, read something fire related every day, learn something from everybody. And importantly, sometimes you learn what not to do. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's really pretty amazing what you can learn um, uh, from people, especially when, you know when you think about even the stuff what what not to do right it's um it's to 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 use the phrase from yogi berra you can observe a lot by watching yeah you know and yeah. it's really true you you see right you see what works think about the best leaders that you've ever had in your career um oftentimes they're enthusiastic like i like to say it's enthusiastic leadership that makes people want to be like you and follow you right you you have to be knowledgeable what you're doing but the fdmy firefighter is incredibly knowledgeable right so i would say we already have that right so our knowledge is is for the most part there but then what do you do with that how do you conduct yourself what what is it that you do and you could see that in in some of the leaders we are incredibly fortunate in my career at every level of my career i have had exceptional uh, examples of top-notch leadership of people who I wanted to be like.
1: That's fantastic. That's yeah. great.
0: Perfect. But, but I, and I like how you said that, you know, it, it's a big mistake. It's huge to not look at the other side of that, like what not to do sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes we get frustrated and we just, we don't think that way. We just think about, it. I got to get out of this situation. But um, I think you would also be, um, it's safe to assume like you can take knowledge from every situation, right? Whether it's good, it's bad. And, and, and people, sometimes that knowledge is what not to do instead of what to do. Right. And yeah,
2: and that's especially true when we think about the soft skills, right? The people skills that, you know, uh, we can also think about people in our career that we like, like, wow, that, that person, they are a great fire officer, a great fire chief, but they don't have, they have no knowledge on how to treat people. Right. And you wonder, like, you know, you, you see those people, right? And um, you say, "Wow, that person, people would follow that that chief or that officer, whatever, with anything they do, but they they don't because they lack that ability to communicate."
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, without so being able, to, yeah, without being able to transfer that knowledge and communicate, it, it's you know, it's it's not it's 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 just there. It's it's a waste.
1: It's so, like a doctor with poor bedside manner.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know?
1: They've got yeah. all the knowledge. They might have been top top of their class at med school. But if you can't talk to your patients in a way that they feel seen and heard, makes yep. it a lot harder for that interaction. And, and both, that's
2: important. On the fire ground, I don't care if you know how to communicate with people, right? But the fireground is is – is part of it right so you want well rounded leaders right that's what it that's what it comes down to um and there's a difference right there's a lot of stuff that happens in the firehouse in the EMS station and, and uh, wherever else you're working that you got to be able to diffuse and manage and take care of and um, some people don't have um the proper skill set to to deal with that and that's a challenge in the um in the fire service in general right you see that all the time in headlines
0: Yeah, big time. So, Janelle, you got one more for him.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, And we ask the hard-hitting questions here on the Better Every Shift podcast. So what I would like to know is, at the station, what was your favorite meal to cook?
2: (laughs) Well, so um, um, I was definitely more of – Or just eat. Yeah, I was (laughs) – Yeah, right. So that's that's, – yeah, that is a hard-hitting question, um, and I'm lucky (laughs) – Thankfully, I'm prepared to answer that. All um, right. Because even now, when I visit a firehouse, like I'll show up. They'll be like, all right, chief, come for dinner. We're um, we're going to eat around nine o'clock. And I show up and they're making homemade managot or they're making some like crazy extravagant meal. And I'm just like, I just want a half a chicken. I want chicken cutlet palm. I, I want the, the staple firehouse meals because um, I don't get them that often anymore. I'm like, save save the extravagant meals for, for, um, you know, for, for another night, I just want the staple firehouse meals. Um, and there's nothing like the, uh, the half a chicken or, uh, you know, breaded chicken cutlets, this, you know, or just a hamburger for lunch, just what we normally have in a firehouse, you know? I, I,
0: yeah, I, I can attest to that too. I, you know, uh, I did, I, I did always hear a story, a uh, chief soccer tells a story. Do you, do you, uh do do they they still eat on those big big old plates in in, in the firehouses there in in New York? Or they have they oh yeah have, yeah do they and they load
2: it up? It's enough for a family of four, but we feed it one one per one per firefighter. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Like we and we also eat very very fast. Um, a little too fast, I think. Too. I mean, that's those are those are for another podcast. Like we can go down that that whole thing. Um about how then our our bellies don't catch up to our our um you know our mouths and then you go into the how you only keep as much food on your plate that you can fit in your mask and all that stuff right like you get yeah. those See, too
2: much too late and uh you know and too much right too yeah. much too late it's yeah it's too fast uh, too, too much fast. too late too fast <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yep. uh because then you know because so many times um the meal gets ruined because you're going out on a run, right? Or it gets delayed. So, yeah. um, all right, the meal's ready. Let's quick, let's eat, right? And then next thing you know, you're out the door five, ten minutes later. And so it's interesting, right? When you get that run timed like that, then you don't eat too much because then you realize, hey, I'm pretty full. Right. And you, right. you have a plate, you come back and you just throw out the rest.
0: Yeah, if you get the one in you, you're good, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's the key. you got to wait like 10, 10 minutes to 10 to 15 minutes in order for your stomach to catch up. Uh, but we – you know, and that go, that leads into other health issues, and and we could, I think, we're going to have to bring you back to talk about. There's a whole other um, avenue of of stuff that you you're also uh, you know researching into the wellness side of stuff. We talked about cancer. We could come back and have you talk uh, about that if if you would would have us or would you come back again? I promise I'll wear Tigger if if I need to. Just if to you're wearing you tigger, again.
2: I'm on. If you then I'm in. If you're doing that, I'm in. All
0: uh, right. All right. I think we got to do it at a seminar so I can, I'll bring it to the seminar. We'll have other people around us and they'll really start to think what in the heck are these guys all about here?
1: That's perfect. Um,
0: uh, but I, I can't thank you enough. I know uh, Janelle and I were super excited and um, you know, kind of got me out of my game. Normally I'm telling, ch- telling dad jokes. I did embed in, in, in one movie quote, uh, Janelle, I don't know if you got it, but um, we try to do that just to keep our listeners all listening. And, and then we just end with I- anything else you want uh really that, that firefighter, maybe that firefighter that's not fired up to learn, um, maybe that they're, they're maybe going through a little hard time where they, they look and they, they don't feel their organization support them. And um, you know, what, what advice do you have for them and and what can we leave them with to to really fire them up, to, to get better every shift and to really put that, that effort into it? What, what do you have for a parting kind of piece of advice?
2: Yeah. And, and unfortunately I get, I get that a lot where I, I hear from firefighters that are like, my leadership doesn't care about training. They don't care about us. They, we're on our own. Um, and so uh, and even they, they may have a toxic environment at work where other firefighters aren't into the into the job the way they are. And, I, and this is what I tell them. Um, it's OK to love the job. I love my job. I love my volunteer department. Um, I love the people that I work with, that I volunteer with. Um, and it's I do it I do it for uh, for a career. Uh, it's it's like my hobby as well. I mean I'm just I'm I'm all in all the time. And uh, the bottom line is uh, a well trained, physically fit firefighter that understands the why, um, not only protects himself, but he and and obviously the residents uh, and citizens that he sworn to protect, but they protect their family. Um, whether they're protecting their income as a career firefighter, or it protects their income as a volunteer firefighter where they have a full-time job. The bottom line is if you're injured or you're dead, you're doing no justice and you're not bringing anything to your family. So we owe it to ourselves and anybody that we love and relies on us to be better every day, every run, every shift that you go, that you go to work or you get on that fire truck. Because the idea is they are counting on you to come back and not be injured or killed.
0: Right. And do everything you can to minimize that risk. Right. Personally, every single day, uh, um, right. train. Yep. And, and if you lose that, uh, just listen again to what chief just said there and go on a uh, fire rescue one and read an article or two. And, um, and I'll, I'll tell you just from my experience and, and watching you present, um, you know, I, I, I just every day now I've been doing that 10 minutes a day and it's really helped me because 10 has turned into 30 has turned into 40 has turned into a podcast for gosh sakes, thanks to Janelle. But I've read more um, and been more fired up now. uh, And and you're a big part of that. And, and, uh, you know, we can't thank you enough and uh, we'd love to have you on again and, and and to motivate us and keep us going. And, um, you know, uh, we always part with, um, you know, sometimes there's, there's, there's knowledge around us. There's motivation around us. But sometimes you really have to look and dig for it. Um, but um, really what life is about is taking that when you find it and using that to be better every shift. And, and Chief, thank you so much for, for being with us and um, look forward to having you back.